Hello everyone and welcome back. Can we believe it? Shock Sport is back after a very long break. I wanted to do a Christmas episode, but I think everyone was very uh, sort of busy around the Christmas period, myself included. Um, and then obviously we've been put into another lockdown. Uh, I've been doing a lot of content for my YouTube channel and lots of projects for fan channels and things like that, commentary. And, and obviously we've all had university assignment work to do. So we haven't been able to bring any episodes recently, but we are back. And I'm back with probably, I'd say, my two main, two main presenters at this point, uh, <laughs> if you've listened to enough episodes. And that is Matt Spink. How are you doing? How was your Christmas, mate? You're right, mate. Yeah, not a bad Christmas. Um, quiet, obviously, considering, but it was all right in the end. Um, nice break from uni work, a couple of days off. It was It's all right, actually, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, New Year's as well. Uh, it's been a pretty tough 2020. I think 2021 has sort of started in a similar way, but it's not... Not been, it's not been too bad. I think most people are probably used to lockdown by now. Uh, and then my second presenter joining me today is our in-house Man United fan. It is the Swiss man himself. It is Sam Oliphant. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Good to be back after quite a while, actually, yeah. Yeah, it has been a while. It has been a while. I put something on the Instagram uh, account as well because I thought, you know what, let's get the people excited because uh, it's been a while since we've really sort of pushed out an episode. But we've got plenty to talk about. So a big break means that there's plenty of stories to cover. Uh, we're not going to be covering stuff that's maybe too old, but we are going to go over some of the things that have happened in recent weeks, just to give you sort of a lowdown of what's been happening, even though you already know. But it's always best to talk about it and get some retrospective thoughts. So let's start with probably the main sport at the moment, which is football. Obviously, a lot of people might not like football, but a lot of people around this area, Salford, Manchester, do love football. It's the main sport, it's the main passion. City do play tonight against Aston Villa. Man United play against Fulham. So that'll be a, a City Villa will be a very interesting game, actually. I'm looking forward to watching that one. That should be really good. Starts in 45 minutes. So uh, I'll try and get this done quickly, Matt, so you can go and watch the game. Cheers, um, mate. <laughs> uh, so let's, first of all, let's talk about the, the, the big, big story that we, we all hate to talk about, but it has to be spoken about. COVID-19. Uh, plenty of managers have been speaking about issues with fatigue. Players look tired. Everyone looks a little bit miserable at the moment. Um, do we need to cancel the season if things get much worse? Uh, one of the things that I've seen scouring the internet as to why clubs haven't spent that much money in the January transfer window is one, money, and two, because there is the possibility of the season potentially being stopped like it was last season uh, around March. So... I'm going to bring this question to you first, Matt. Do you think that it is plausible that the season could be stopped for the second season in a row because of COVID-19? Um, well, personally, for me, it depends on who's top of the league. If Liverpool United are top, we can carry on the season no matter what. And if City are top, we can cancel it whenever, for me. No, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only messing. Um, no, uh, in terms of actually stopping the league... Cancelling it, I can't see it happening at all. Because even last season, they they postponed it, yeah. But they never actually full-on cancelled it. I think if they were to cancel it this season, it's not going to get finished. It's going to be cancelled at, you know, whatever game it gets cancelled at. I read over Christmas, but I read one article and then and then never saw it again. Um, they were going to have like a two-week break in February, just so... A two-week break where all the teams can isolate, and because and, there's too many numbers getting into the game now, 
in terms of COVID cases. And I read somewhere like they're going to do a two week break in February just to get people to settle down and get the cases to settle down a bit and then carry on as they were. So sort of a two week sort of holiday, not holiday, but two week sort of break for the players, which I think is a good, as good idea as, as I've seen out there. Um, in terms of the season actually stopping, I can't see it happening. There's too much money on the line for, you know, the FA, for the Premier League to actually just stop a season as a whole. And there's too much um, credibility and tradition and history around the cup competitions to stop them as well. So I don't think it's going to get stopped. But this two-week sort of break period, if it does happen, uh, I think that's as good idea as, as any to sort of lower the numbers because it is getting quite ridiculous at the moment. I know it, I know it hit City pretty hard over Christmas and we had to stop a couple of games. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is getting quite high at the moment and quite ridiculous. Yeah, I think when I mean obviously when I say cancel, I do mean postpone. I don't think they're going to completely null and void the season like we were calling for last year. Man, because Liverpool were top, but yeah, no, I think this season is a chance for maybe to take a look at how we run things. I think the two week break idea sounds quite good to be honest. I I, I would back that. I think that you know uh, my club Wolves at the moment. I think we definitely need a two week break just to <laughs> give the players a bit of a time off and just sort of recollect themselves. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, Sam, do, what do you think about this whole situation? Because obviously there's no fans um, and that's been a big aspect this season, you know, particularly with a lot of the derby matches or just, I mean, all the games in general, really. You know, it's been an exciting season in terms of the league table, but we really do need fans in as soon as possible, don't we? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course. But I, I, I mean, at the moment, it's just not plausible to happen. I mean, COVID at the moment within the UK is at, uh, like an all-time high but I think back onto the topic of postponing the season I think that's mainly down to the players I think we've seen a few examples now over the Christmas break especially where players have breached uh, COVID regulations and have contracted the virus and I think this is where the whole speculation is coming from now is whether we should continue to leave because there's been several examples now where we've seen where the players just can't follow the rules um, but no I think I think, yeah, that two-week circuit breaker, which they are thinking about doing, I think that would definitely help, not only for teams to almost get players back from injury, but to stop the outbreak of COVID, because realistically, um, I mean, it, it, it is just spreading too easily, and uh, matches are a prime area for that to happen. And I think also the reinforcement, as of late, of the, the celebrations, I think the fact that they had to reinforce that point has actually helped now. We've, we've seen on over the weekend it... There was very few, you know, team celebrations. It was, it was very much socially distanced. So I think if we can keep yeah. enforcing these types of rules, I think that should help the season continue. It's like you say, though. Do players have a responsibility to adhere to the COVID restrictions? You know, we've had Benjamin Mendy, who uh, was looking for some big bum Latinas, which I thought was quite <laughs> funny, to be honest. But, you know, it, it, it sort of is a hallmark of COVID. You know, we've had Kyle Walker break restrictions. We had Morgan Gibbs-White uh, break restrictions. Uh, I can't even think of who else. Lanzini, Tottenham players. Yeah, Lanzini and Dombele and Mourinho himself as well at one point, I think. You know, it's frustrating because why should they be able to not adhere to the restrictions that a lot of the general public have been able to do? Now, granted, a lot of the general public haven't done it and that's why we're in this situation at the moment. Uh, but, you know... It is frustrating because these people are supposed to be role models and they're here 
breaking the rules that have been put in place for not only their safety but but other people's safety. So, do you think that the footballers themselves really sort of need to take responsibility about what they're doing? I mean, do you want to go, Matt, or should I? Uh, no, you go, you go. Uh, I mean, I think yeah, they should definitely be taking responsibility because they know the risks at the end of the day. But I think it also comes from the club side. Maybe they need to be uh, organising something for a way in which players have to reduce their contact with other people. So whether that's going to the shops, um, maybe just I mean I think just reinforcing it to the players. I think that's just a key point because I think over the Christmas period, especially players seem to almost just forget the rules about what they're supposed to be doing and what they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, it is a bit ridiculous. I mean, Matt, what what do you think clubs can do maybe to make players actually listen I mean um, you know if, if you know if, if if playing games isn't enough enticement to keep them to stick into the rules then I don't know if they should even be playing if they even they want to play football like you said about Benjamin Mendy he's he's tried to work hard to get back into the team and then he does something as ridiculous as that even as a fan of the club I was shaking my head I just don't I don't understand that you know for me, if 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 playing football would be enough enticement to stick to the rules and try and stay away from COVID, I know a lot of because there was an outbreak in City and um, like you mentioned, Kyle Walker and Mendy weren't the best examples. But I think a lot of the outbreak came from when we went and stayed in the hotel in London for the Arsenal game in the Carabao Cup. So I think a lot of the City outbreak was just unfortunate. Um, but in terms of actually getting the players to stick to rules. Tell them, listen. If you do, obviously they already know, if you can't stick to the rules, you're not playing games. You're not turning up the training because you can't do it. And if that's not enough enticement for them to stick to the rules, I don't know what the clubs can possibly do more. Cut wages, maybe you know, be stricter. But I don't see you know players should want to play football, and if they've got COVID, they can't play football. And that's the bottom line, I think, with it. And if that doesn't you know get them to want to follow the rules, I don't know what will. Yeah, exactly, and. Um... I think that it's, I don't know, it's a shame really. It's a shame that players can't really listen and maybe take things on board or take advantage of the the situation they're in to maybe, you know, just keep fit and things like that. But um, yeah, no, it, it, it's a shame and it, obviously it is a bit of a letdown. But uh, one team that hasn't been a letdown is Leicester City, who, uh, let's face it, doing really well this season. Uh, I mean, that's pretty obvious to say, but... Top of the Premier League last night. Brendan Rodgers, does he get the credit he deserves? I want to get your opinions on this because I don't hear a lot of people maybe speaking about him in the same sort of vein as some of the other managers. Granted, he hasn't really won anything of note. No offence to the SPL fans here. Um, I know that he, I mean, he won a lot of trophies with Celtic, but it was was at a period of time where the competition was, was not fantastic. So... Um, you know, I think he's really sort of proved a lot of people wrong, really. And a lot of Celtic fans were really angry with him, saying that he was a step down. But, I mean, it's certainly a step up top of the Premier League after 19 games. And they were really, really impressive against Chelsea yesterday. So, Sam, I'll start with I'll start with you for this one. Um, how, how impressed have you been with Leicester this season? And how far do you think they can go? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest right now. I wrote them off at the start of the season. I didn't think they could recreate the form that they had last year. But they've they've brought it through. Um, the players that they need to be that they need to have, you know, playing well for them are doing just that. Jamie Vardy, of course, always consistent as usual. James Madison, um, he's found his form again. And I mean, for me, can they go all the way? I don't know. 
But I think Brendan Rodgers deserves a lot of credit for what he's got compared to, you know, what some of the other clubs up there have got in terms of resources, players. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, of course, really impressed by them this season. Uh, just don't know how far they can go. But, I mean, we, we have to get a lot of time to see. Yeah, uh, Matt, did you... Uh... I want to get your opinion on this. Did you listen to his post-match interview? Because it was really, really... James Madison, by the way. Um, really, really interesting post-match interview explaining all the, the tactical side of the game. I mean, how, how important has he been to Leicester this season, particularly with his recent form? Five goals in seven games now. He's definitely in that conversation for being recalled to the England squad. I mean, do, do you think that, you know, he really is the sort of the, the player to push them forward and, and uh, sort of... How much has he improved this season as well? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the the, the post-match interview because I actually listened to it and I thought it was a, a really refreshing way to do an interview. You see most players try and keep their cards close to their chest in terms of tactics. You know, they sort of just give their, their opinion on their personal performance instead of actual team tactics. But he just was really open, I thought, with, you know, what he was saying, what he was doing. He realises to play for Brendan Rodgers, he's got to be hitting the sort of statistics he's hitting now and... He, you can see in his head he wants to play for England and he wants to get caps under his belt for England because he's, he's, he said it in an interview, you know, he needs to be getting these sort of statistics five and seven games. He wants more than that because to, to, that's what he knows he needs to get into the England side. And I think it's just really refreshing. I think in terms of Leicester, he's getting up to that, that stage of that, you know, that sort of, you know, fundamental player. He has to get picked in every single game because he's performing every single game. You think of... You know, you think of United, you know, Bruno's going to start. You think of City, you know, De Bruyne's going to start. And now you sort of think of Leicester, you know Madison's going to start. And that's the sort of legacy he's sort of leaving behind now, which is what... And it's 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 great to see, especially, you know, to be a bit selfish, he's an English player. You, you love to see Southgate having difficulties picking a midfield instead of it being easy options. You know, he's got a load of choices now uh, for the Euros. If they, fingers crossed, touch wood, they go ahead. Um, and he's just been... Great. He's he's been. He's, he, I think he's found his form now, just like Leicester found their form. And you know they're just a dangerous team to play. They're not an easy an easy team, you know, to sort of go and get get a win against. They're a team as obviously City found. You know you're not. It's going to be difficult to get three points and even a point at Leicester now. And that's the sort of. I don't think they're going to win the league or or challenge for the league. But I wouldn't write them off the top four just yet. I think in terms of the actual league, sorry to, to to divert a bit. I just I think it's between City and Liverpool, and at a push Tottenham. I think they're the three for me personally. So I don't think Leicester will quite get the title, but you know they've done it before. Um, but credit to them. I think they'll definitely get a European spot next year, whether it be Champions League or Europa League. I think they'll they'll definitely finish top seven for me. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I think one of the biggest differences for me is that. Last season, they were really good the first half of the season. Second half of the season, they sort of completely lost their form. Um, Whereas it's sort of been the opposite this year. I mean, they started off very well, but they had a bit of a sticky patch. And now they're really back in form. It feels as though this season could be slightly different. I definitely would have them down for a Champions League spot. Um, I guess the only question would be Jamie Vardy, as is always with Leicester. You know, they don't really have an adequate backup for him. So if he was to get injured or lose a bit of form, where do the goals come from? I think that's probably where Madison comes in. I mean, their midfield, though, is so good. 
You've got Telemans and DD Madison. That midfield three is just unbelievable. Harvey Barnes as well has gone under the radar this season. I think he's had an excellent campaign. Johnny Evans, uh, real, real stalwart at the back as well. Very underrated player. Ricardo Pereira is back from injury for them now as well. So uh, James Justin might see less game time. But James Justin, another English fullback who's been really, really good this season. I'm really impressed with James Justin. I think he's uh, he's he's coming to that Leicester team. They're signing from Luton. You know, he's, he's had a couple of years, a few years at the club now. Last season, he was getting into the team and you can see the potential there. But this season, he's really kicked on. Um, I mean, Sam, in, in terms of the title race itself, which clubs do you think are going to be sort of pushing for that? I mean, I think, of course, it's going to be Manchester City and Liverpool. I mean, I'd, I'd give, honestly, based on recent form, I'd give Manchester United a shout. But... I think we've we've got to see we've we've got to start performing against the bigger six uh, clubs, um, and of course Tottenham. I think you can never write Mourinho off when he's uh, when he's in the top five um, in a league table uh, with so few points between the teams. So uh, I'd say those four mainly. I I I can't see Leicester doing it for the whole time because of squad depth reasons. We saw last season they dropped off after they had a few injuries. Uh, so I'd go probably those four that I've just mentioned. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to agree, I think. Um, I don't know, it's really, really close, isn't it, this season? It's such a closely fought thing. I mean, Everton, for example, are on. have played 17, so they're two games... Uh, they've played two games less than Leicester, but they're six points behind. So they win those two games in hand, they're on the same points as Leicester. Um Although Leicester have played a game more than everyone else, so I, I don't obviously Everton aren't really in for it, but Everton could very easily get top four as well. I think the race for top four this season is going to be really, really interesting. West Ham, by the way, West Ham are two points off Champions League spot. Uh, I mean, David Moyes has done a fantastic job this year, really, really good and impressive job. A bit surprised that they sold Sebastian Haller. Don't you guys think of that? They sold him to Ajax, where and. You know, this season has been one of the seasons where he's actually performed well for them. Uh, so it's a bit of an unusual sale, to be honest. Um, I think that's this season, though, isn't it? Really, it's just been it's been chaotic, to say the least. Uh, the, the the table is very much the closest we've seen in 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 well since I've been following football. Really, I've never seen a Premier League table this close. I mean, you genuinely, I, I can't predict who's going to finish top four. Really, I can't. You can take a good stab at it, but I mean, the title is just like how, how do you try and pick out who's going to be the competing for the title? Most people have said City and Liverpool. I genuinely think United. I, I think United could stay there for most of the season. No, I, 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 I sorry, I I disagree. Sorry to put in. I just, I just, I don't, I don't. You know, they've they've been on a good form and a good run, but I don't see where all this. United, I understand the hope in the fans, fair play, but for me, the United title challenge is just as just as um, believable as England winning the 2018 World Cup. I think it's good for the fans, it's hopeful for the fans, but eventually they're just <laughs> going to get knocked out in the semis, which ironically, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer likes to do anyway. That might be the City fan in me talking and uh, um, prove me wrong, fair play, but I genuinely, I just don't, I don't see it. And that's not me taking away from their performance. I think Bruno Fernandes has been class. Um, you know, whether he's world-class, give him a couple more seasons, but I think he's definitely a class player and they miss him when he's not there. I think, you know, they've got, you know, Rashford's had a good season on and off the pitch again. 
you've got Pogba's sort of trying to find his form and then slowly but surely eventually getting his form. But in terms of a title charge, I just don't think they have the mentality yet. Look at the game against Liverpool. They, they, obviously, anyone who goes to Anfield City are the same, are scared at Anfield because it's a fortress, fair play. But against the top six teams, like you mentioned, Sam, they're just not turning up and they're the games that win you the league. It's not the it's not the it's not the games where you win one nil or two nil against your Bournemouths and your obviously they've been relegated now but you know your your West Ham's in that it's the games against the top six that are vital they're the big six pointers and the nil nil against City the nil nil against Liverpool they you know they lost to Arsenal they're the sort of games that that cost teams the title. Yeah, I, I, the only reason I say that is because they always somehow seem to scrap out wins. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think they'll win it. I definitely don't think they'll win the Premier League, but I think that they'll be there, up there, when the season ends. I don't think they'll be as close as fans think, but I think that they, they'll put a good push this season. They've certainly been a lot uh, better this season than last season. I mean, when was the last time we even had them in this conversation for the title race? Do you know what I mean? It's been It's been a number of years. So, yeah, no, it should be a very interesting one. I, for one, am very uh, excited to see how the season plays out, particularly as a neutral but um, let's move on from the title charge then. Let's go a bit further down the table uh, because Wolves played out a uh, their first Black Country derby in nine years against West Brom, the one of the biggest derbies in the country. Some people might laugh at me for that, but it is uh, one of the biggest rivalries in the country. Um, it's one of the best derbies as well, uh, particularly with fans. Um not like those Man City Liverpool rivalries. Come on, I mean, you're just kidding themselves. Are you pick, trying to tell me that that you're trying to tell me that's a bigger game? No way. Um, yeah. So West Brom winning three goals to two, a team that have that have scored I think six goals in fourteen matches or something like that, and they score three. Um, the first time in seven years I think that they've scored three goals away from home in the Premier League. So, yeah, all round a pretty woeful day for Wolves. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo, of course, the manager, looked very forlorn on the bench and there's been uh, a lot of discussions about his mental health because he does look very miserable at the moment and it, it's a real shame because I think a lot of Premier League fans have become accustomed to him being just a very charming, charismatic manager. I think he's he's popular with the neutrals. Um, so yeah, it's a real shame to see him sort of uh, go down. But Wolves at the moment, I mean, what is going on? They haven't kept a clean sheet, I think, in twelve Premier League matches. Uh, they've conceded first on ten of those occasions. They've only won one game in twenty twenty one so far uh, against Chelsea. <laughs> Believe it or not. So uh, Matt, what do you think's going wrong at the moment? There seems to be just something not quite right with Wolves. No, I agree. Um, considering the last two seasons they've had in the Premier League have been, um, you know, remarkable for their standards. You know, newly promoted less than five seasons ago. Let's not forget. Um, I, I, and I think it's just pointed back to just a weird season. I think Wolves very much. They're, they're a tough team to play. You know, when the fans are in, they're a tough team to play. Like. Uh, City have struggled the last two seasons. This season, we didn't because I, I, I very much pitted down to there were no fans there. There was less pressure. I think your teams like Wolves, 
you know, Burnley, who were struggling, Newcastle, who were struggling, they rely on fans a lot to push them through the 90 minutes, you know. Yeah, Sheffield United is another great example. Um, and just without fans, it's, it's, it's clear. To, I hate to point it, but that'd be the only example. It's definitely not. There's so many other reasons, but it's, you know, teams like this really rely on fans to push through the 90 minutes against the more, I don't know, you could say physically trained teams. You know, 90 minutes is a difficult time to be running about. And the fans really do push you. Um, you mentioned it being, what, the best derby in the league, which I, I like to disagree with. But clearly by the result, it's, it's clearly a derby that two teams, West Brom and Wolves, both really do care about. It was, you know, five goals, and that's sort of the, the derbies you want to see. Derbies where it's high scoring, rough tackles, you know, a couple of yellow cards, maybe a red. They're the nice derbies. You, not nice, but they're, they're the derbies you want to go see as fans. Not the boring nil nil of United City and the boring nil nil of United Liverpool, um, but you know the struggle. I think I think it's very much down to th- this difficult season. Um, off the back of a very extremely long season, Wolves had last season didn't when they when they their season was like fifty six weeks long or something last season, wasn't it? Yeah, there was some there were some players that were racking up to sixty games. I think, uh, which mm. was I mean pretty ridiculous to be honest, considering we have a, such a small squad. Um, but that is by Nuno's design. I think that's what some fans have been frustrated at, is that you know he's the one that's been adamant he wants a small squad. And particularly with injuries this season, this is the first season where Wolves have really been hampered by injuries. I mean, Leander Dendonka has been injured. Johnny, uh, Daniel Pedence, Raul Jimenez, of course. Can't forget about him. Willie Bolly. You know, there's been so many injuries for, for the team. So it has really hampered them. Um, and... Now, it's one of those where, if they're not careful, they really could get sucked into the relegation battle this season. I mean, you know, Sam, we'll, we'll come on to you for this one. You know, you can see Fulham, Burnley, two games in hand. If they get some decent results there, Wolves are very much in it. Uh, so do you think they have enough to stay up is a, is a ridiculous question, obviously, because in my opinion, I think that they do. But um, do, do you think that, you know, they are in danger of being sucked into that? I, I, I Genuinely, I don't think you've got much to worry about with Wolves. I, 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 they shouldn't be pulled into that because I think when they need to perform, they can perform. I think at the moment, as I just mentioned, I think the, the injuries that they've got to key players like Raul Jimenez is one of the main issues. And I think the fact that yeah, that Wolves are having to rely on you know a set, an 18-year-old in Fabio Silva up front, I think that's quite hard to do, especially when you had such a prolific goal scorer like Raul Jimenez in your team. Uh, the squad depth probably needs to be worked on because if you look at your bench... You've got a lot of teenagers on that bench with not much experience who can't really change a game if you were to bring them on. But realistically, I wouldn't say you're in a relegation battle because, as I've mentioned, you, you, you'll be able to pull a performance out when you need to, like, for example, Chelsea. Yeah, um, I think maybe some Wolves fans might disagree with you considering that they didn't perform against West Brom, which is arguably the biggest game of the season. But, yeah, no, it is... a. Uh, it's a very strange season, like you say, and uh, um, there's, there's certainly been teams that have been performing really well that are really struggling, and one of those is Sheffield United. But they got their first win of the season, can we believe it? The first win of the season against Newcastle. Maybe not so hard to believe, because Newcastle are just sort of one of those teams that likes to keep on giving, but it was really nice to sort of see them get their first win, because Sheffield United are one of those teams where they haven't necessarily been that bad. You know, you look at their record and you think, God, they must be absolutely dreadful. But they're, they're, performance-wise, they haven't actually been 
that poor. They've just haven't really had the rub of the green so far. So, I mean, do you think that this could be a turning point in their season, Matt? Oh, um, it, it, it can and it, and it can't. It, it very much depends on the next few fixtures. I don't know what games they've got lined up. Like you say, um, it's all about a little bit of luck in, in things like relegation battles. You need that sort of luck, that sort of games where you can look at three games in, into the future and, and, and say you can take five or six points off the, those three games. Um well, it's so funny I, you mentioned. Uh, sorry to cut in there. But it's, it's funny you mentioned future fixtures because their 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 next game is Plymouth in the FA Cup. So you right. think, okay, that's quite nice. Uh, but then they've got United and then they've got City. So see, there you uh, go. It's things, like, it's things like that. They've picked up a but very good three that, points. After that, after that, they do have West Brom, uh, Chelsea, said, mm, West Ham, Fulham, and then Liverpool. So yeah, it's not the kindest. But those Fulham that that West Brom game on the 2nd of Feb and that Fulham game on the 20th of Feb those are some really really big games for them yeah it's, it's the games you know they're going to play the top they're going to play Liverpool City they've got to everyone everyone does um, and they're the games where they look they'll, they'll get they'll hope to get a bonus point you know a very extremely lucky three points maybe but it's, it's the Fulhams and the West Broms that the manager will be looking at and, and thinking listen these, these are the games where if you want to stay in the Premier League we're winning these or, or we're gone um, yeah. In terms of it, if it's a turnaround in their season, we'll just have to see. Um, you know, they've got difficult games coming up. They've also got games they should be winning coming up if they want to stay up. And it's it's and it's an unpredictable season. They could go on a you know ten ten game win streak, and and I think all the fans will look at it and go, that's just what this season is like now. Um, which is the beauty of the Premier League, I think, and definitely the, be- the beauty, the hidden beauty of this season for any neutral oh, fan yeah, is any team can win any game. Mm-hmm. So um, if it's to, if it's the turnaround, I don't know. But if it was a good three points anyway, and I think they could they can get a little bit of confidence and and sort of a little bit of belief that they can win games. You know, twenty twenty one is it our year? You know, it's, it's it's all about mentality in relegation battles and 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 let's see if they can turn it around. I'll be excited to see if they can. Yeah, and on the other side of that was, of course, Newcastle. Now, Sam, Newcastle have had some decent results this season, but very much a lot of the fans are still Steve Bruce out. What do you think's going on there at the moment? Do they need a change in manager, or is it just... I mean, Steve Bruce said in his press conference, uh, he was very vocal, actually, which is quite unusual. He had he was fed up and he was going to do things his way and that the players were, uh, quote-unquote, shite. Um, I think was was uh, what some of the some people were reporting. So, what what do you think is happening at Newcastle at the moment? I mean, I think it's absolutely bonkers what's happening. Actually, you look at the first game of the season and they went to West Ham and they played them off the park. And they had the new signings of Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser got a bit of time, Jamal Lewis. And I thought when I when I was watching Newcastle, I thought this is the Newcastle that we know of all. They were playing attacking football, expansive football, and they won the game comfortably. But as the season's gone on, they've almost gone back to Newcastle of old, or not Newcastle of old, but what we know of recent times. And they set up in a match too defensively at the beginning, and I think that is down to Steve Bruce. And for me, maybe they have, maybe the, the board have got to start looking at other options, because realistically at the moment, with the way Steve Bruce is setting up his team in a match, it's just not working out. And I think you've got to look at, really, um, as well, the strikers that they've got. I think if you're playing 
uh, Andy Carroll and Joe Linton, like he's been doing in recent games, in the same system, it's not going to work because you've not got two players there with loads of pace. The, 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 I think I think Steve Bruce needs to go. It, it's it, the, the football's not good to watch, and it's and it's not working out. So may, maybe a change of manager is what needs to happen. Who would you who yeah. would you bring in then if if you do get rid of Steve Bruce? What sort of manager can you see Newcastle taking? Uh, Sorry I'm, to I'm take gonna, your role, Tom. I I'm gonna sort of... no no. I appreciate it. I think it's uh, I think if we all ask each other questions, then it, it is very much as a podcast. That's what it's all about. Um, <laughs> I actually think that that's a very, very interesting question. And I propose you this, Eddie Howe. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to get the best out of players, I think. Genuinely, right, they've got Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser there. Under Eddie Howe, they were the best performing, or one of the best performing partnerships in the Premier League. Now, he, I don't think he'll demand a ridiculous wage. He's out of work at the moment. I think... You know, he's worked at Bournemouth, and with the greatest respects to Bournemouth, Newcastle are a far, far bigger club than mm-hmm. Bournemouth. I genuinely think if Mike Ashley wanted to go for Eddie Howe, I think that that would be a very decent appointment. I don't think that would be anything to be sniffed at. The players that Newcastle have got at the moment, Alain Saint-Maxima, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, you know, even Hendrick has been pretty decent this season. I actually think Hendrick's uh, has been... All right, Jamal Lewis isn't a really good. Is it can be a very good attacking fullback? You know they do have players that can do well. John Joe Shelby's always got something in him. He hasn't really had the attitude sometimes to to really produce that. But I think Eddie Howe could be a very very decent shout. Yeah, for I agree. Russell. I I that's I think that's the best possible answer you could have given to my one and only question of the, of the episode and possibly of my entire time on on this podcast. I think you've answered it. I think you've answered it great. So, well, I'm glad that I, I'm glad I could give an answer. I gave reasons. I've got my reasonings. I do think that Eddie Howe would be a really good show. Uh, either that or Maurizio Sarri. So I'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> He's currently out of work at the moment. There is quite a few managers out of work at the moment. Mm. Um, speaking of actually uh, we were speaking of Wolves earlier and how they need an eight, uh, they're playing an 18 year old up front news has just come in within the last five minutes that they have agreed to sign Willian Jose from Real Sociedad on a loan with an option to buy target man Giroud type player um, so there you go bringing you the news as it comes thanks <laughs> to Twitter what um, what what nationality is he? That player. He is Brazilian. Ah, oh, right. He's Brazilian, so he joins the rank of Portuguese-speaking players, <laughs> um, which I find quite interesting. Uh, I mean, twenty-nine, same age as Jimenez, very similar type of player. He's more, he leans more to the Giroud side than Jimenez does. I think Giroud is very much that target man, physical presence, but obviously Jimenez is more of that technically gifted all-round player. Um. I'm pretty happy with that. I've been sat here with a smile on my face for the last sort of three minutes because I'm like, okay, well, my uh, my shouts of um, back the manager have actually been have actually been realised. I've had a bit of <laughs> stick off Wolves fans. Uh, I think they've sort of lumped me in with other fans because so many people wanted Nuno out, and I do fans reactions for a fan channel, and I've been saying that the back the board need to back Nuno because he's clearly struggling. Uh, I think some people have lumped me in with the Nuno out people, um, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm buzzing. If he, if it works out, 
and it works out. But there you go. So, Shock Sport, we bring you all the latest news, no matter where it comes from. <laughs> um, let's talk about the FA Cup then, uh, to for the last sort of 10 minutes of this show, because we're going to do a bit of a shorter one today. FA Cup time this weekend, and there's some really impressive results in the last sort of, uh, in the last round. So I just had a burp there building up. Um, Crawley beating Leeds, the fantastic Leeds United, you know, they play great stuff. They might have lost 3-0 to Chorley, but uh, they did it in a, you know, really stylish way uh, with plenty of attacking football. And, uh, you know, Marcelo Bielsa has come under a bit of stick the last few weeks, reasonably so. He's actually said that he's worried for Leeds. Uh, he's worried about the team, which I think is a, a little bit, uh, I don't know what to make of that, really. But um, I think a lot of fans will be excited. This particular round seems to have some good fixtures. Wolves versus Chorley is one that I would probably pinpoint to uh, to listeners, uh, mainly because Chorley defeated Wolves, I think, 3-0 back in the 80s. Uh, and that, that is seen as Wolves' darkest day in the club's history. Uh, so to get Chorley away this year was, was quite... Uh, was was very just just summed up this season perfectly really um, you couldn't write it to be honest um, Liverpool Man United I mean who cares about that really it's, <laughs> it's such a it's such a terrible game I've never seen I, I don't think I've really seen a, a really good Liverpool Man United game they all just they feel the same to me everyone overhypes it Sky Sky are going to probably hype it I mean it's, it'll probably be on the BBC or whatever or BT but you know, it's one of those games. I mean, Sam, are you looking forward to it? You're a Man United fan. Um, is this something that you really look forward to, or do you wish you could be like Man City and get uh, get basically League One clubs up until the final? I'd rather be I'd rather be in City's position, of course. I mean, we can't catch a break in this FA Cup, in the FA Cup. You know, we always get the you know, arguably the harder teams. I mean, we got we got we got Watford in the last draw. Well, you've had Wolves the past two years. Exactly, Wolves. We had we had we had to get past Chelsea and Arsenal before in two consecutive rounds. It's we just don't get a, get an easy draw, do we? But uh, let's let's see how it goes. I, I don't I don't think it'll be a high scoring match. I think it'll be something similar to what we witnessed on Sunday. To be honest, it could be the complete opposite. You never know. It's the FA Cup, well, the magic of the cup. We, we need to see who starts. To be honest, I mean, Liverpool might put some youngsters out. United might put some youngsters out. We might see Ahmad Diallo from Man United getting his first start for the club. So Ooh, that, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, that, that, that would be quite interesting, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. I have the feeling that he might be slightly overhyped. Well, let's see. We'll have to wait and see. They are putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, let's, you know, we laugh about City getting easy fixtures, but they do have quite a tough game against Cheltenham. Uh, this weekend, who are obviously are you know sort of one of the more powerhouses in lower league football, well known for their horse racing. So uh, you know, you never know. They could get a result. I seriously doubt it. Um, I'm, I'm not saying anything. Let the record show. I haven't said a single thing about Cheltenham City. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's difficult. I'm just letting whatever <laughs> happens happen. I, I do want actually some youngsters to play the likes of mm. Delat. Uh, Hardwood, Bellis, all good youngsters coming through City ranks and ones to look out for. If Foden yeah, could get 90 minutes as well, I know he's not really classed as a youngster anymore because he's that experienced now, but another 90 minutes for Foden would be good. Um, Stefan in net again, I think when he had to get called up to the Premier League, he had two great games against Chelsea and the other one, which has slipped my mind, which is shows how good a fan I am of City. Um, uh, Brighton, was it? Anyway, 
I just think uh, this get this game against Cheltenham is a good experience for for youngsters to come through, and I'm, I'm quite excited for youngsters to come come in and sort of develop. You know, get Laporte maybe back, some players back fit, Aguero maybe some minutes. That's that's enough of me talking about the FA Cup. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I always like the FA Cup. I think if you're having a tough season, the FA Cup can sort of give you that respite uh, in terms of you know how are we gonna progress the season. Sometimes the FA Cup can give you that bit of momentum that you need, a bit of confidence, a bit of a, a bit of a boost. Um, now talking about boosts, um, I mean, did anyone? We'll, we'll talk. We'll do a bit of uh, general sport news now and then. I think we're done for the football. The last ten minutes. Let's talk about social media, football on social media. What's been going around? What's been trending? What's been you know uh, swirling around on there? And of course, uh, India beat Australia. First time Australia have lost at the Gabba since 1988. They won, uh, India won uh, the fourth test by three wickets. Uh, and it was a fantastic test series. Really, really good day for Indian cricket as well. Um, I mean, did you guys see this on Twitter? Some of the catches are unbelievable. Um, I, I saw it on social media. I can't say I actually watched any of it. I, I've heard and read on social media that it was a really good test series and it was entertaining and I'm pleased for the cricket fans but apart from that I can't really can't really give too much of a massive opinion on, on India versus Australia uh, good good for them I think yeah yeah no there, there were some real star performances I mean Shabam Gill made 91 and then uh, Rashad Pant as well was unbeaten on 89 at the time that they won so yeah really really you know, impressive run. I mean, they needed three hundred. They needed three hundred twenty-eight, uh, which was uh, it was a record run chase, a Brisbane record run chase. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, very, very uh, interesting to see Australia lose. It never <laughs> gets old. Never gets old. Um, they were two hundred fifty-nine for four, by the way. So they needed sixty-nine runs, and Australia. Uh, needed six wickets from the final 15 overs. And they still managed to turn it around and get the win. So, fantastic. Really, really good. Uh, really, really pleased for India. Uh, fantastic result for them. And uh, hopefully this means Indian cricket will be in the, in the spotlight a bit. Because uh, there's so many... I mean, it's such a popular sport uh, in India. And so, it's I don't know, it's surprising that you don't see more of this, to be honest. It's a bit like here, though, isn't it? Like, football is probably the most popular sport here and we're arse at it so when it comes to the World Cup and stuff so mm. um, I mean Rugby Union as well that's been cancelled so many I mean it's, uh, Rugby Union's done so many games postponed Rugby League the, the the start for that has been pushed back by two weeks I mean you know damn, damn Covid man Covid you know it's just mm. Can I quickly can I quickly bring up because I've been quite excited. I know I mentioned it before we start recording. Um, a little a little. You talked about social media and a one and only boxing legend Tyson Fury has, has teased yes. a little bit of a, a big quote unquote up and coming battle of twenty twenty one that he's he's constantly training for. And I can only help but think it's is Anthony Joshua. And as a fan, I, I want it to be Anthony Joshua. And it's going to be Anthony Joshua. And you know, I, I I'm just I'm more than excited for that. That for me is going to be if it happens the sporting event of 2021, and I'm I'm, well, he, um, I'm ready for it. He did tweet out uh, an announcement saying he was going to fight Joshua 20 this year. Um, he had like the whole poster thing with him facing off against AJ. Uh, I mean, it's a huge, huge fight. So many people 
have been waiting for this fight. You know, it's the big British heavyweight battle of the ages. And um, I, I, no one knows who's going to win. AJ came into this on, you know, the whole Ruiz thing really sort of messed up his momentum. I think if he hadn't have lost to Ruiz, there'd be even more hype for this fight. But we know that AJ's beatable. Whereas Tyson Fury has come back and absolutely smashed it. You know, he should have really won the first bout against Wilder. Uh, he won the second one. And I, I think that, I don't know, it, it could be a fantastic, fantastic event. Uh, well, it will be a fantastic event. I've always said, though, they need to wait until fans can be let back in to do this. There has to be fans at this fight. You can't do this fight behind closed doors. It would just it would just completely ruin the, you know, the sort of the, the just the hype. The atmosphere is going to be absolutely unbelievable if there's fans in for this fight. I really, really can't wait. Um, if it is to happen, I know this is very early, but what, what, what? We'll start with Matt. What do you think could happen? Give me a little prediction. You know, what um, do you think is going to come out on top? Just quickly, in terms of, I think when they're going to fight, I, I, I can see it being September, October time. I think September would be the perfect month in terms of there'll, there'll be some fans allowed back in. Pubs will hopefully be open. It'll be hopefully still a bit warm. This is just my perfect dream of, of how I, I, I plan this to go. In terms of predictions, I'm giving it to one man. Only I'm a massive fan of Tyson Fury. I think I've mentioned him so many times when I've come on. Every time we talk about boxing, I talk about Tyson Fury. Um, I've got to give it to him, you know. In terms like, but in terms of what's going to happen, I couldn't I couldn't tell you whether it's going to go the full. If it's I assume it'll be twelve rounds, whether it's going to go the full twelve rounds, I don't know whether there's going to be a knockout. I don't know. Because um, because they both can do it all. If they if they want a knockout, they can get a knockout. If they want to do it rounds, they can, they can make it go rounds. Both both camps can do that. Um, on paper, I'd give it to Fury, um, just because of that one that one loss on 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 AJ's sheet. I I, I do love both boxers. Obviously, I think they're both great boxers, um, but I can't not give it to Tyson Fury. Just in case he ever does listen to this and bump into him in the street. Yeah, no, I, I I'm gonna back. Um, I'm gonna back Fury. You know, I think he's just got a bit more heart. That's not to discredit AJ, but he got knocked down twice by Wilder and he still got up and he still uh, got a draw, which I think was a ridiculous result anyway. I think he should have won that, really. Uh, Sam, what about you? No, I mean, I'm backing Fury as well. I could have said AJ to throw a spanner in the works, but I think, I think genuinely, I think this could actually be a match that's really hyped up. And I think it actually could be a match that finishes one and one or two rounds with a with a Fury knockout on AJ. That that would be my genuine opinion. Wow, that's, that's serious. A big show. Because I think that is Fury, a big, big show. I think Fury's a he's a he's a big he's a big time player. I think when he's had you know some of the um, some of the the guys I think last summer anyway, in summer twenty nine uh, summer twenty nineteen actually, um, he had some you know lower low key um, fighters. And I feel like he, he almost has a bit of fun with those ones, but I feel like when it comes to a match with you know Wilder, or if, when it will come with AJ, I think he's all business, and I think he'll want to try and get it done as quick as possible. That's true. I mean, look at what he did do to Wilder in, in, the, in the rematch, in, in, in Fury Wilder too. He, he made his team throw the towel in, and I think you're right there. I think, I, I think a knockdown is, is on the cards. Early prediction. I'm going to say I'm, this is like massive, ridiculously early, early prediction because it's not even been fully announced. I don't think. But Fury round seven, uh, uh, TKO. And if anyone listens to this, Bart, this is going to be mad. Fury round seven TKO. I'd say 
Yeah, I'd probably go for TKO, to be honest. I don't think I'd go for a full knockout, but I think I think TKO is definitely the way he's going to do it. And he's just got... He's, his technical ability is just unbelievable for such a big bloke. He's got very nimble hands, and he's so agile as well. can definitely get out of the way of shots if he needs to. Um, yeah, no, I think TKO. Probably, I'm going to say sixth round, though. I think oh, it's going to be a little bit earlier. I think it's going to be a little bit earlier. I'm not quite going as, as heavy as, as Sam, maybe, with his second round. No, I'm, 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 being too, I'm not even trying to be, like, you know, controversial. That's genuinely my opinion. Yeah, no. Uh, I think that's a good shout, man. That's a good shout. Um, and obviously, there's another return to uh, fighting as well for Conor McGregor, who's come out of retirement for about the 15th time. Uh, to fight Dustin, uh, I don't even know how you say it. Poirier his name. or something like that. Poirier. Poirier? I think, yeah, I think Poirier. so. Um, decent record on both fighters 26 6 and 0 for uh, Poirier and then uh, 22 4 and 0 for, of course, McGregor. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't really know much about Poirier. I'm not, I don't follow UFC as much as I follow boxing. Um, they are basically identical. I mean, they both weigh 155 pounds. They're both five foot eight. Both 32. Uh, McGregor's got a slightly longer reach at 74, whereas uh, Poirier has a 72 inch uh, reach. So that will probably play a part. Conor McGregor's obviously. It's just Conor McGregor, isn't it? He's a. Uh, he's a controversial character. Obviously, he lost that huge fight to to Khabib as well. Uh, he won his last fight against Donald Carone as well uh, last year in a welterweight fight. Of course, this is a lightweight fight, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Of course, this is going to be on the 24th of Jan, so it's four days away now. Not too long left to go, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you guys watch any UFC? Uh, occasionally. Not, uh, not too much. No, I don't. I don't really. I, I again, like you said, I prefer, I prefer boxing to UFC. Nothing against the sport. Just I don't. It's not really for me. I don't think. I, I quite like the fact that you can kick people. To be honest, <laughs> it's just I don't know. I don't know. I like the sort of dogged, the dogged nature of it. But yeah, no, I can't really give my uh, critiques opinion on that. But uh, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Though I think we've discussed a wide range of things. Uh, we are going to be start. We are going to start doing more local sport. Uh, so we will be talking about Salford City, Salford Red Devils, Manchester Giants, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, this was just sort of to get back into the swing of things, really, and uh, get an episode out there and make sure that we let people know that we are back and we are making content this year. Uh, we are going to be starting a YouTube channel as well. Um, hopefully, uh, I, I, I want to try and get this series maybe out on Zoom and then upload the upload it to... Um, Upload it to YouTube, so I'll have to wait and see. Uh, but it's a lot of organising to do that. It's a lot of work behind the scenes, editing-wise. So, yeah, thank you for joining us for today's episode. I'm going to let Matt go and watch uh, his beloved Man City take on Aston Villa. Um, hopefully, things will really start to pick up, and we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to hone in a bit more on who's going to win the title and who's going to get relegated. But Sam, Matt, thanks for joining me for today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I hope the audience have as well. We're going to be bringing you plenty more content as it comes along as well. So make sure to stay tuned. Follow us on Spotify, follow us on Instagram, and make sure to follow our presenters on Instagram as well. You can find those on the Shock Sports Instagram page. So thank you for listening for today. Um, we hope you stay safe. Have a good one. And uh, yeah, stay safe, everyone, because uh, it's, it's a tough life out there. <laughs>